Welcome to another episode of Hired by HireFit. I am your host, Bobby Aragon, founder of HireFit. And today's guest has over 15 years of experience leading agile transformations, managing people, and executing enterprise-level initiatives. She has worked with some very amazing companies, including the New York Times, Ancestry, Vivint Smart Home, Google, and Expedia. She is currently the Chief of Staff of Data and AI at Expedia. Ladies and gentlemen, Giselle Doolin. Hey, Giselle, how are you? Hey, Bobby, good to see you. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, joining. So I appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, I'm very excited to chat with you. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, it, it's kind of interesting, Giselle, because I know a few days ago, uh, we were reminiscing a little bit about how we first met. And I thought the story was very interesting. So if you wouldn't mind, just talk about how we first met six years ago. Yeah, um, sort of a crazy story. I actually interviewed for a role uh, leading program management at Vivint. And I hadn't heard from my recruiter in quite a while, the actual uh, recruiting coordinator I was working with. Uh, after I'd done all my interviews, it'd been a couple of weeks, I was told I would have heard by then. I followed up, I sent a couple emails, I didn't hear from them. I checked in, uh, tracked down the actual hiring manager's email address by you know just calculating what I thought the formula was and I guessed and I got a hold of him. Uh, and he was like, oh, that's strange. You should have heard from someone. And he sent me your info and was like, you know, here's Bobby. He's the manager. And um, I reached out to you and you were like, oh, no, that recruiter doesn't work here anymore. And I guess he didn't properly transition the role over. And uh, you were like, but don't worry, you got the job. <laughs> so um, it was pretty funny. And I think, you know, it's one of my favorite stories I tell people, because even if you haven't heard it doesn't actually mean you didn't get the job. Like any number of things could happen that lead you to not hearing back right away. Um, so I just, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm really glad that it worked out that way. Absolutely. No, it, and it, it's so interesting because I mean, lately, you know, especially in recruiting, we've heard so many stories about just ghosting, right? Uh, recruiter doesn't get back, but there could be other situations that happen behind the scenes of like why they actually didn't get back. But what I love though, was like your persistence to actually figure out what was going on and tracking down the right person. Because I think most people would just give up and be like, okay, well, I guess I didn't get it. I'll move on. And then, you know, that was that. But I mean, because of your pers persistence and figuring out who to get in contact with and, and going the extra step ended up, you know, you landing at a really good position. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's a great word persistence. Cause I think that's probably my, my general advice uh, when approaching any sort of job hunt situation, it really comes down to persistence. Absolutely. And that, and that really has followed you throughout your career. And so this is, you know, one of the biggest topics that I wanted to talk to you about uh, and truthfully, you know, reason why I, I want to have you on this podcast, because you've worked with some really amazing companies throughout the years. Um, you've worked with, you know, the, as I mentioned uh, in the opener, New York Times, Google, Expedia. So I want to ask you, how did you find these positions and how did you end up acing the interview to get these jobs? It's a great question. And there isn't a secret formula. Um, I think at the New York Times, I actually started out working for about.com, which was owned by the New York Times. And 
I saw that there was an opportunity there to network with folks who actually worked at our parent company and built some relationships. Um, it was a lot, I had to wait a long time actually, because the New York Times sold about.com and there was a non-compete and, you know, there, there was a bunch of drama there, but eventually that relationship building paid off. And a few years later, I, you know, managed to get an interview for a job opening via the connections I had made years before, uh, just by staying in touch, making sure I was still, you know, every once in a while getting a cup of coffee or saying hello. Um, and then Google was a completely cold application. I just straight up applied to uh, Google Fiber in Salt Lake City and managed to get a response to my resume. Uh, and then Expedia was actually a combination of both. I had applied and then reached out to a friend of mine from college who actually works at Expedia. She put in a word with the recruiter, but the recruiter told her, oh, we'd actually already marked that resume. We've already pulled her resume off the stack. So it's nice to get a referral on top of the fact that we've already picked her. Um, so I think it's, you know, there isn't a magic approach. I don't think, I mean, certainly, obviously networking and relationships really help and doing whatever you can to keep your network warm, but also just really learning how to position yourself, writing a good resume, finding a role that fits your experience. I didn't know a single person when I applied to Google and I still got a job there. So it's possible. It, it happens to someone, right? Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I'm, I feel like most people, especially in today's day and age are, you know, they get more discouraged than encouraged when they're applying to positions. Right. But, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, doing the homework, uh, preparing your resume, networking, um, doing the things that you need to do in order to make yourself stand out. That is, you know, really good advice, right. To, to someone looking for a job right now. I mean, what would you say, what would be like your number one piece of advice, I guess, for someone that is looking to, you know, possibly get in with one of these companies? I think it's just persistence and in, in really keeping your eye on the prize. I know that's really hard. I've had many, many rejections. Uh, I did not end up like for all those jobs that are on my resume, I mean, it's actually really hard, you know, when you think about, oh, I applied to Google and I got a yes, but I've also applied to, you know, like Domo four times and they've said no every single time without even a phone call. And so it's kind of crazy because you judge yourself, but, you know, these big, amazing companies have shown interest. And then sometimes smaller companies are not even giving me a phone call. So it, it's really, you know, you're fit with them, they're fit with you, um, and really just kind of sticking with it in the face of a lot of no's. You know, for every hundred no's, maybe you get a couple of yeses. Um, and then really tailoring each application. And I know that's a lot of work, and there are definitely mixed uh, opinions on that one. Uh, whether you want to leverage a tool like, you know, Teal or something to help you figure out how to do that, I do not reuse the same resume. It is a lot of work. Um, I treat applying to jobs like a full-time job, and I put a lot of time and energy into it. But you have to think about the fact, and I can empathize having been a hiring manager myself, that the recruiters and hiring managers, especially in this market, are looking at hundreds of resumes. 
um, you know, we've opened roles at Expedia and gotten 700 resumes in two weeks, right? It's, it is crazy. Um, so if you think that your generic resume is going to get someone's attention, you're competing with all of the people who did take, you know, two hours to tailor their resume to that job. Um, and that's, yeah, just the reality of the current job market and um, something that I had to deal with. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's definitely a, uh, a the right time, right? <laughs> Your timing has to be perfect with, yeah. you know, landing one of these uh, type of positions. Um, persistence, right? Uh, and the numbers game. Um, you know, not just uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, but doing what you can to be able to land uh, these type of positions. But before you can actually land the job, you have to interview <laughs> for the yeah. position. So let's yeah. say you get lucky enough to be able to interview with a Google, with an Expedia. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, Giselle, pull back the curtains a little bit, give everyone some insight into what their interview process looks like, because it's probably different. You know, maybe a lot of people haven't gone through these type of interviews. Um, you know, a lot of times with these uh, smaller companies, it could just be one and dones, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you meet with the hiring manager and then the team, and then that's it. So talk to me a little bit about what these interview processes look like at a uh, Google or Expedia. Sure. So they are different at both companies, but they do have similarities. One of the similarities is I think a lot of larger companies have tried to streamline the hiring process and limit how many hoops you have to jump through. So ideally, you're only, you know, you're talking to somewhere between four and six people um, if they can if they can control to that number. And it's usually some combination of folks who are experts in what you're applying for. So people who do the job that you do, uh, one or two people in uh, in adjacent roles. So if you're applying for you know, a program management role, you'd probably talk to a product manager and a tech leader of some kind, uh, the hiring manager. And then there's often you know, one completely unrelated person who might actually be very far removed from those teams. Uh, and they are going to serve as sort of your bar raiser, your person who's there to assess a lot more your behavioral skills, your answers, how you navigate the conversation, and whether or not they think that you would raise the bar on what it means to contribute to the talent community at that company. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, a series of interviews, depending on the company, they will give you more or less information about the interview. Um, Google doesn't doesn't leave you blind, um, but I would say Expedia gave me even more information than Google did. So Google might say, okay, your first interview is going to be a technical interview. And then your second interview is going to be, you know, a, a behavioral interview. Um, your third interview, you know, they'll try to set you up broadly. Um, Expedia was kind enough. I mean, there I have to say, like probably my favorite recruiting experience so far in my career. Uh, they kept in constant contact with me. They told me exactly who I was going to be talking to. I actually interviewed for two different roles at the same time. I had lists of everybody included in that panel, what they were probably going to be talking to me about. It was like really helpful because I could spend time preparing and really thinking about, oh, if I'm talking to the head of product for X, I can go research X a little bit. And then I can think about what kinds of questions they might be interested in asking me and really put some thought into my answers. So that was really great. But in both cases, I think one of the easiest things to forget is 
to frame your answer. I mean, this is a, a probably a really commonly used construct, but there's like the star framework situation, task, action, result. So, you know, they ask you a question and you reiterate what the situation was. What was your task that you had to complete to address that situation? What were the actions you took and what were the results of those actions? And then I often like to add an L onto the end of that or, you know, and what, what did I learn afterward that I could take forward into the future? Um, and that framework works really well. There are others out there that, you know, folks can research. There are, you know, different acronyms with very similar setup. Um, but you want to make sure that you're tying whatever the answer is you give back to the value that they are looking for and try to guess the subtext of their question. Why are they asking that question? What are they trying to learn about you and what are they, you know, it's never about the actual surface question. It's always because they're assessing, you know, what is your ability to navigate an ambiguous situation? Or do you have a track record of delivering results? For something like program management, they often want to hear you actually communicate a measurable result at the end, because a lot of the time program managers just talk about the tasks that they did. Oh, I managed the meetings and I drove the timeline and I got the thing to launch. Um, but if you're a strategic program manager, you should be able to quantify the value of the things that you deliver, the impact it had to the business, how you contributed to that. Um, so it's really just elevating and up-leveling your answers. And that's really going to set you apart and, and help you stand out in a sea of folks who are giving much more generic answers. Yeah, absolutely. Now that that that's really good insight because I think you know a lot of people are used to maybe going into interviews a little blind um, or get caught off guard. Maybe they just haven't prepared or don't know some of the questions that are going to be asked. And so, and I think sometimes companies, not that they want to catch people off guard, but they want to see like how you think on your feet. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's a good strategy or bad, but I mean, it sounds like these larger organizations, they really want you to, um, shine or they're going to give you everything that they, that they can to sort of elevate you and make it a level playing field for everyone. Like this is what we're, what we're about, what we're going to ask. So, you know, become come prepared and may the best person shine. Right. As opposed yeah. to like, you know, nothing best of luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can. You, I mean, it's funny that Google is a verb, but you can Google interview advice for Google and the company has released a bunch of videos about how to be successful in their interview process. They give you some resources. Now, that's not to say that every Google experience is great. I've heard a lot of horror stories and they will still try to trip you up. They will still, you know, they are looking for ways to kind of shake you a little, Um I always think about what I think the questions are going to be before I go into it. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, my job is to be organized. So I'm, I may be on the bell curve of like crazy with it, but um, you know, I literally like I've made myself a deck where I think, of, and I've got like a chart of, you know, qualities on one side and exam companies on the other. And I put X's in boxes. So, you know, Oh, they're going to need an example of a time that I, you know, really overcame a hardship and I have hardship on one axis and I have all my companies over here. So I could go to like Vivint and hardship. And then in that box, I've written a couple of examples, you know, um, 
so that when I'm interviewing, I, you know, especially now when a lot of interviews are remote, I mean, use that to your advantage, have your second screen over here with your little cheat sheet. So you're not repeating your answers. You've got a bunch of different answers. You can refer to them really quickly um, and just really think through, you know, what are the big question areas, you know, leadership, soft skills, technical skills, and just try to think of a couple of answers for each one. Um, that for me was just a huge stress reliever. I just had this little safety net that I could lean on. Um, so I actually really hope companies continue to interview remotely. I think it, depending on the candidate, if you do really well in person and they offer an in-person interview, like you should go for it, you know, no problem. But if you're like me and you get, you know, a little bit stressed out about it, it's actually really nice to be able to have your notes. And they actually don't mind. I think it makes you look like a candidate who put in a lot of time and effort. If you say like, oh, just as a heads up, like I've got some notes over here, I might refer to them. Even taking notes during the call, that's I think actually like subconsciously is a really big win. They see you take notes and they think, oh, you're really paying attention, you know? Um, <laughs> so I think it actually really helps. Um, so yeah, those are just some of, some of my uh, quick tips, I guess. Yeah, I love it. Well, thanks, Giselle. No, I mean, this has been uh, fantastic. I know um, you're uh, a great uh, resource for knowledge. Uh, you've obviously worked some, with some incredible companies and continue to do so. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to share your insight today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye.